Well, good to be with you, church, this morning. Uh, great to see everybody. Hey, we haven't dismissed the kids, have we? Did we? We need to do that at this moment. Let's uh, head on out, guys. Thank you. And while they're on the way out, I just want to thank you. I know uh, with the wearing of the mask, boy, that's challenging, and we just know we, we're... We, we seem to be adapting in some ways, and while we don't like it at all, thank you for making the adaptation. And then I want to say, uh, particularly just in terms of finding a place in the auditorium and kind of recognizing one another's space, and we're filling up the space, and yet we're still able to make it all work, and I uh, am thankful uh, for your patience and the process with, with all of that. If you've been attending here and are a guest, we just are grateful for, for your presence. Uh, both to both members and guests, we always encourage uh, filling out one of the little cards and putting it in the basket on the way out, if you would, don't mind doing that. I might say a word, too, just, uh, just having to think of it here off the top, but just to be, we don't say a lot, and we haven't during, for whatever reason, during these COVID times, because our processes have been a little different, about uh, the importance of our our regular or weekly contribution. And uh, of course, if you look at the big picture, the Lord has been taking care of us, is the big picture. If you get down in some of the detail, we were behind in July. Okay. So uh, we might want to look at that and say, okay, where is, what's my status? Particularly if you're a regular here, where am I in my giving uh, at this point in, uh, in the year? Just so we can kind of sense uh, how, where we are, and we know there's a lot of moving parts. We're uh, shifting gears. I appreciate the feedback on what we did in the Joshua series, and then particularly the way we finished it last week by having a conversation together, and we'll want to do something similar to that in, uh, in series to come. In fact, we'll start a new series here today, uh, Better Together, and then on September 5th, will be the last Sunday of this, this particular series. We'll, uh, we'll do some kind of summary and, and congregational meeting was certainly a misnomer. I'm not sure what to call it. Maybe you can help us think of a better term for it. But the point is being together and have conversation as a congregation. In uh, 1998, gosh, that's already 22, 23 years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a book called Church, Why Bother? And it addressed the changing landscape in the United States where being a part of a church was uh, not something that we could take for granted as it we might have in the past. And what Yancey wrote about then was a trickle relative to today's tidal wave of exodus from the church. Barna Institute, in just a couple of months ago, said this. I don't know if I can believe this. I want to not believe it. But their statistic, their research said that 60,000 churches, or 20% of all churches in America, could close within the next 18 months. 
the COVID-19 pandemic will bring a fundamental change in the way Americans attend church. Carrie Newhoff, a uh, writer and a blogger and church mentor and leader, said that people who attend church are attending less often. In fact, he goes on that those who used to attend every week now are three times a week, or people, he's given just a, some ballparks here, but people who were around two times a month often now show up once a month. And attenders who used to come once a month are showing up half a dozen times a year. So closer to home, with the pandemic rolling along and now seemingly finding it's a second wind, here we are at McKnight Crossings. And the truth is that we've had 40 or 50 family units that we haven't seen for more than a year. Not all are missing in action. Some of them we've caught up with and we've made pastoral visits and maybe they're involved in a small group or they were available through text or phone or some other way. But uh, some are missing. And, but the question that Yancey wrote was the title of his book, Church, Why Bother? Maybe you even asked yourself that question this morning. <laughs> Who knows? Certainly we all have thoughts and feelings about church and we make choices to be here or not depending on those thoughts and feelings. And gosh, I appreciate uh, the hoppers being here this morning, uh, just talking to Stephanie and Bob and Cassidy and knowing how... Uh, far along, raging her cancer is, and to be here in church. I know it means a lot to her, but it means a lot to me. And I've probably told this story uh, before, but there was the young man who was uh, sleeping in on Sunday morning, and finally his mom yelled at him and said, get up, son. You've got to get up and get to church. Don't forget, you're the preacher. So I want to share just a few reasons related to this topic. Well, better together is our goal, but more specifically this particular Sunday, church, why bother? And, I, and let me start it. Maybe I hope that this doesn't come across too sarcastic. Uh, but don't bother if you only see church as a performance. Okay. In other words, you remember when we used to go to movie theaters? I don't know if we've really done anything like that for a while, but uh, movie theaters tend to have people who watch and are critics. They sit, they watch, they evaluate, and they are either they're moved and they're made to feel good. They rate and they score and they form judgments about their experiences. Sometimes the way we've made church, I wish we could figure out how to break out of it, frankly, is a little bit too much like going to the movie theater. It's a fun job for a while to be a movie critic, but uh, you don't need the theater every week for sure. And particularly if you're evaluating the same performers, he's up there again, doing mostly the same shtick, 
if you judged it 10 years ago, then uh, why do you need to judge it again every week? You might think to yourself. When church is simply theater, then we get to say the tenor is off. And the prayer was too long. And the preacher was a little dull. Or as C.S. Lewis said, and it's just so interesting that this was in the middle of the 20th century with all the songs that have been written since. He described the songs back then as fifth-rate poems set to sixth-rate music. Here's the point. If you treat it as theater, there's better theater down the street. And certainly there's better online. Now, secondly, don't bother if you see the church like a grocery store. You say, I need to stop by and get a few things. And I know what I like and what I don't like, and there are about 40 different kinds of cereal on the aisle, and Lucky Charms are good, and Captain Crunch is not bad at all. But I live and die by Cocoa Puffs. You are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, okay? Let's say you come to the grocery store, the McKnight Crossing grocery store, and they're serving Cheerios and frosted mini-wheats, and there are no Cocoa Puffs. You've fallen into the consumer trap, and you feel this freedom to use the MX grocery store as needed and when needed. But if you don't really need or like the groceries today, then church, why bother? Don't bother if you make decisions primarily based on your feelings. Have you noticed how many things feel bad today? <laughs> My goodness. Work and politics, sometimes family, and so church should be about feeling good, right? The problem when we are at church to feel good, it leads us to say things like, man, I didn't really feel it today. Or the music didn't speak to me. Or it was just too cold in the auditorium. And when our feelings rise to the top, the connection to the music or the atmosphere, or the energy, or the vibe is what matters more than the worship to God, the Almighty, the Scripture, the readings, the prayers, or the preaching. Now, is it too far out to say that nearly everything that is not a requirement in our life, like going to work or going to the dentist, seems to me these days to be measured by a question, did I have a good time? We ask our kids, did you have a good time? We ask our grandkids, did you have a good time? And somehow, if the church can't consistently ring this bell of having a good time, church, why bother? So how do we move from our deep-seated, culturally-shaped motivations 
That is to be entertained, to be consumers, and to want to feel good to better together. That's what we'll be looking at in the series. And I want us this morning to reflect just for a few minutes on this passage that Dina read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in just a minute. And the first century Corinth, there, those Corinthians were not quite the same as 21st century America, yet there are plenty of overlap because people are not so different. And seeing how Paul addresses this mostly pagan, but now believers in Corinth, might provide some insight for us. And as Paul writes it, this letter, it's as though he is trying to grapple with what God had in mind for the church. And in other words, he was trying to answer the question, church, why bother? And he uses metaphor in almost a frenetic way. And so the English, English teachers are my mess. Got a couple right over here. Can appreciate this. At first, 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, he goes agricultural. And he uses you, plural, and he says, you are God's field. Plural, you, plural, are God's field. Don't you get it? And then he kind of moves on very quickly because maybe he wasn't so sure about his own metaphor. I'm not, I'm not so certain I really know why he moved so quickly. And then he quickly moves along and says, you, meaning you plural, are more like God's building. You see, different builders come along and they lay different layers. And then he says, no, I got it. You, plural, are God's temple. That's it. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are a sacred building that God has designed and is constructing, and God lives in you. Not so much you individually are a temple, though that may be true, but it's God's building one temple. He doesn't have many, many temples, but one temple. And God lives in all of you together. And so we tend to misread this with Western eyes, thinking God has millions of temples. But God himself lives in his sacred dwelling in you all. And then finally, by the time we get to chapter 12, where our passage is, he hits upon a jackpot of a metaphor that has now shaped the church for 20 centuries. 20 centuries. He says, you meaning you, plural again. Again, we miss this when we read in our English Bibles. Are a body. And that's why the New Living Translation is so good here, I believe. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. You see, obviously, throughout this section in this letter, as I stated, the you is plural. And we, those who make a claim to follow Christ, were in this together. That's a hard concept. And maybe I'm preaching to the wrong audience. The audience that I should be preaching to are those who are not here. So somehow we have to be advocates and allies and brothers and sisters for one another to help, help others see this truth. This is the reason that Paul Turnier 
could say, there are two things we cannot do alone. One is to be married. And the other is to be a Christian. Ruth Martin, in a little article, said it this way. Our being, designated as the light of the world, as the salt of the earth, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the body of Christ, are all plural. None of this is talking to or about individuals. Now this in some way should rattle us because we've misread it for so long. The light of the world, well you are a light, but it's we are a light. In fact, she goes on to say, this little light of mine is not a scriptural idea. If the kingdom doesn't happen together, it doesn't happen at all. No one would claim to be the body of Christ by themselves, would they? You see, it is together we are Christ's body. And the point of our faith is not simply for us, but for others. We're responsible for one another. So in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, that word body appears 18 times. And we know the passage, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. And the analogy is familiar, but it's alive. Because you remember the last time you stubbed your toe. And its impact on the whole body. And the invisible and Organs that we cannot see, the invisible and in invisible organs working together, all indispensable to the whole. And individually they're important, but frankly, they are meaningless apart from the living, breathing, whole, functioning body in our case, representing Christ in the world. So Paul wraps it up, bottom line, and he says it this way. We must be connected to each other in order to be what God wants us to be. It's as simple as that. So this morning we might say, so better together, but better for what? Better Christ-like people. People that reflect the qualities of their creator. Making a Christ-like community of people. People that, that, that function like the Trinity functions, like God and the heavenly host function. We become individuals and communities where Christ is Lord dwelling among us. This is what it means to be better. Moving toward the end goal of Scripture. 
That is life together, as Bonhoeffer wrote, that starts now and with God in the new heavens and the new earth. Take the garden. Remember the garden in its, in its, in its, in its perfect form, in its ideal form. We imagine the garden. We reimagine the garden. The church, then, is a foretaste of heaven where we live in harmony, where we love under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, this may sound harsh in our busy, independent, and often extremely individualistic lifestyles. We can't, all, we can't break all that down in one chunk. But here's the point. To make church optional or occasional is to trivialize God's vision for the kingdom today as we are a microcosm, a representative of Christ, and for the world to come, as we are a foretaste of heaven. Better together, with one another, and the power, and thank you, thank you, thank you for being here and being present the ministry of presence has never meant more. Even if you don't say a thing, your very presence speaks during this pandemic particularly. And to listen then to one another, maybe as a next step or another part of this, similar to last Sunday, to have conversation time as I said, to wrap up each series, and maybe you can help think of some other ways to do that, whether we do that in a, in, a, in a Bible class or at another time, where we can be in conversation with one another. And clearly we know the importance of that in our connect groups and our small groups as those get going back, going again here in the fall. Some are going right now, but as we kind of really buckle down on that, to be with one another, to be praying for one another, to be sharing resources for the benefit of one another, to be realigning one another. How do you get your head back in the right angle? Boy, it helps to be here. At least it helps me to kind of reset and recalculate to bear the burdens of one another, to stand for justice on behalf of one another, to model our faith for one another for the next generation, three pews of teenagers who are watching and trying to understand their faith. Let me summarize this morning this way, and come on up, praise team, for that uh, final, final song. I believe better together. We are offering 
outstanding proof that God is alive. That's what the church does. We are a witness. We are a testament. Better together, we form what God is like. Better together, we express what God is like. Better together, God uses gathered, worshiping, connected, caring, growing human beings as the prime display of himself. better together. We are the body of Christ. The word of the Lord.